Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is a Rogue Media Network podcast. This is 365 Sports, powered by Sikkim365.com. Good friend of the show, Matt Brown, joins us on 365 Sports. There are so many different storylines right now, and Dion and Colorado are like one, and then there's like number eight. Have you ever seen anything like it in your life? Oh, no, <laughs> there's been nothing like this. And I got to tell you guys, I feel like the Deion Sanders conversation is, is threatening to completely liquefy my brain, <laughs> I think, over the, over the next couple of weeks. And it's not, it's not that he isn't interesting. Like, Sanders is maybe the most independently famous person to ever coach an FBS football team. He was certainly the most independently famous person to coach in my lifetime. You know, I'm 36. Uh, and, and so I, I understand that the team is very fun to watch right now. Colorado has been garbage for 25 years, essentially, but the level of attention from Fox and from ESPN and from very casual college football fandom and from the NFL world far outstrips the on the field production at this point, like the, the, the closest thing I can maybe think of would be like the tail end of the Pete Carroll USC era where Hollywood had kind of embraced that team, but they had won national championships at that point. They had sent people to the NFL. And now we have like the biggest spectacle in college sports is a guy that needed two overtimes and 18 penalties to beat a three win mountain West squad. Like, and I'm not saying that the guy isn't a great coach or that Colorado's not interesting. I mean, like they're, they're, they'll make a bowl game this year. They've already beaten a lot of expectations, but the amount of hype, and like media circus and reality show around what might be the fourth best team in the Pac-12 is unlike anything that I can recall, certainly since I started covering college football. Yeah, I, I know that like there's a lot of establishment that's a little bit scared of it, Matt. But to me, I think I would, if I'm everybody else, I'm just going to embrace it because... There's not, like you said, he's the most independently famous person that could be a college football coach. And the fact that those two skills land on one guy is is probably not going to happen again unless Tom Brady decided to, to coach Michigan one day. And, and, and honestly, like, not even that. Like, I, I've, I've talked to, I've seen other columns or other, you know, reporters go like, well, you know, is, who else could replicate the Deion Sanders model? Or, you know, what does this mean for other coaches? Like, guys, there's one Deion Sanders. Right. You know, maybe Ed Reed maybe has this kind of force of personality and football chops and, and the ability to relate to, to relate to both reporters and producers and athletes. 
But just being an extremely famous football player doesn't make you Deion Sanders. Like, you can't compare Tom Brady's personality uh, to, to Deion Sanders. I mean, and th- there's, there's just nobody else like him. Um, and, and, you know, to his credit, uh, with a gigantic target on his back and with a very difficult early schedule, they have come out and done everything that's been asked of them so far. Uh, this week will be a very, it will be a very good test, a very interesting test for what the story looks like the rest of the season. Matt, what is the second most uh, overblown but intriguing, and uh, let's see how it plays out story in college football. Is it the downfall of Alabama that everybody's been openly wishing for for like a decade now at this point? <laughs> yeah, I, downfall is probably a, a too harsh of a word, but it, it's, it's difficult to reach any other conclusion based on what we've seen this year that this is, this is a mortal Alabama team. This is an Alabama team that I think has the worst offensive line play than we've seen from a Nick Saban Alabama team in like eight years. Like we know how, how an Alabama team can win at an elite level without first round quarterback production. We've seen Alabama win ugly uh, with, with the passing game before we haven't seen them get physically pushed around by a USF team that probably doesn't make a bowl. We knew coming into the season that, yeah, there's probably going to be a step back in the passing game. It's going to be a step back here on, 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 uh, on, on offense. Wasn't like this. And as weird as it is to say, like the SEC median team might be a little bit down relative to maybe what their expectations are. This looks like a Citrus Bowl team or, or maybe worse, which mm-hmm. we haven't seen since, I don't know, what, 2007, 2008. We kind of forget what that looks like. I don't want to say it's over or there's just a downfall as if they can't rebound. They've still got one of the three most talented rosters in the country. But if you wanted to you know, watch an Alabama team that could get smacked around by Arkansas, brother, now's your chance. Yeah, you know, you mentioned that, that getting pushed around, that's – they had no sacks against Texas, gave up like five. Texas looked bigger, better, faster, stronger. Is, is it yeah. the fact that they're having this mess at quarterback, or is this the fact that the dogs in the middle, the offense and defensive linemen, I, I don't – they're not like weak there, but it appears as if they don't have it. Like the guy, the guys that like go swarm somebody. Yeah, I, I think it's a little bit more the latter. I mean, obviously, yeah, you, you don't have Bryce Young uh, under center. You still got three guys that have big, strong arms. But if you can't block long enough to let people get open downfield, or if you can't block uh, well enough to just kind of fall forward for five and a half yards to carry, like Alabama's been able to do for the last decade plus. But it doesn't really matter. I, 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 I feel like this is a team that has recruited well enough and should be deep enough where they should be able to be a very, very good college football offense with B to B plus level quarterback production. And that's not what we've seen so far this year. There's a chance for them to turn it around, but you know, the, the pass rushes are only going to get harder from, from, from South Florida. Yep. Uh, and, you know, there's, there's, there's more rosters that are look more like Texas coming up than are against middle or USF. Matt, um, I know that Ross Dellinger wrote about this, and uh, you're 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 a guy whose mind I'd like to see to work on this. Uh, the Mountain West Pac-12 relegation model. Do you think this is something yeah. that could work? So it's it's so funny you mention that. I was actually talking with Ross about it last night. Um, I was actually working on this same story because I know where this idea came from. It actually came from the WCC from having some conversations with the big West and also with the mountain West about this exact proposal for non-football sports. And I'll have a story actually coming out about this 
uh, next week. Um, talk where you know, it was originally looked at for baseball and for softball and for basketball and some other things. And if you look at it from just the NCAA bylaw perspective, it does work. All you have to do is you have to have six teams, you know, be in the same conference from year to year to keep the auto bid. So as long as you're only promoting two or three, you know, from year over year, you, you can, you can be in compliance with the NCAA. I think it gets much harder to do with football, um, because nobody wants to risk being relegated and losing out on millions and millions of dollars in television revenue. So it would be difficult to kind of set up a, the, the, the TV rights. So someone getting relegated isn't ruined. But if you look at this from a mid-major level where the, the difference in softball money is negligible between, you know, league one and league two, but you might be able to game the RPI a little bit better. You might be able to, to, to figure out travel a little bit better, sell a few more tickets. I think it can work. It's a hard sell because it requires administrators who've been doing things the same way for 70 years to think outside the box. But I think if you look at some of these Western leagues that are already facing a lot of trouble getting good games and multiple sports and having to fly to almost all their games anyway, and who are facing some real realignment challenges. It wasn't just the Pac-12 that that really has kind of under the gun right now. If it's ever going to happen, now is the time for it to happen, and the West is the place for it to happen. So in this relegation, and I, I know that European soccer, the Premier League, whatever, we, we even, yeah. this, this was brought up before, I forgot by who, but so it, within their own conference, they would have relegation within the combination of whatever it is, a merger, a morphing, or whatever they call it between the Mountain West and Pac-12. How would that, so tell me how that works. Yeah, so the, as I understand it, you know, from, from the kind of high-level conversations is you have the, you, you, the Mountain with the Pac-12 and the Mountain West essentially create two little two leagues, right? Your Premier League and your Champions League, like you know, a, League A, League B, and you can brand them however you want. And at the end of the year, the top two or the top three teams in the bottom league get to play in the top league the next year, and the worst teams move down to the bottom. So if you throw Oregon State and Washington State and, and, and you call that in like the Pac-10 or whatever, and um, San Jose, you know, San Jose State wins the league, the other league, then the next year they move up and they're in the league schedule and they're they're on Fox and they're playing Oregon State and Washington State, um, and, and then you move down. And and the way that I've seen this from from other smaller leagues is the proposal is like, look, if you suck at softball and you get relegated to a worse league, that league still has an auto bid. So arguably. Your, your individual game will, will, will matter less because everyone has a terrible RPI, but you might be a, a better competition for an automatic bid to the tournament than you might be if you were playing in, in, the, in the higher up league. In the higher up league, you're going to get better games. You're going to have a higher margin of error. You might sell a few more tickets. It's going to help with recruiting. So, so everybody theoretically wins. We'll see if, if the egos can make it work for the Mountain West and the Pac-12. You have to expand a little bit more. Matt, as best you understand it, what kind of a position are Oregon State and Washington State in right now? I mean, is it this merger or bust that you still see remnants of, you know, would the would this conference be interested or could they get a life raft of this conference and, and remain a power school? Just as, as best as you know, sort of where are those two and, and the focus and, you know, the whole issue with the Pac-12 voting rights? I mean, where are we kind yeah. of in, in learning all of those details and, and cleaning up some of this story? So where we are right now is, one, we, we, we have to wait for the court system a little bit more because it's up for the lawyers in part to figure out who controls the remainder of the assets and the, the debts in the, in the, the historic Pac-12. So that, does, that includes your, your NCAA tournament units. It includes who controls what's left of the physical inventory for the, uh, the Pac-12 networks. 
And then also who's responsible for, say, Comcast overpayments or some of these salaries or some of these other costs. And I could not be, I, you know, I, I'm not a lawyer. I haven't done any CLEs. I couldn't begin to tell you exactly how that's going to go, just that a bunch of rich people are going to argue about it, and there's going to be a, a negotiated settlement in some way. The, as far as conference affiliation, I don't think it matters that much what the league is called or what banner it's under. I can tell you that from what I've heard, when, when the dust settles, there's a very good chance Oregon State and Washington State are playing in a conference where Gloria Navarez is the commissioner, and the majority of their games are going to be against teams like Boise State and Colorado State and San Diego State and the top end of the Mountain West. Whether that league includes everybody in the Mountain West, whether it includes most of the Mountain West, whether it's called the Mountain West or it's called the, the greater Cascadia you know, screw you, L.A. conference. I don't know. <laughs> and, and that's that's something for the, the suits to figure out right now. But the, the, the idea of either of those schools somehow backing into the into the Big 12 or in the American or some other league, that's off the table right now. It's just really what what goes on the business cards for our schedule against mostly Mountain West kind of teams. Matt, so how successful would this have to be for the others to even consider it? Yeah, it's a, it's a good question, and and it kind of the, the crappy sports radio answer is it depends a little bit about others. Like, like could I see a world where the MAC and the Horizon have these kind of conversations about non basketball sports? Um, you know, particularly for things like soccer or for baseball. Yeah, like that 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 could happen. You would need it to be places where you have two leagues that have high geographic overlap because nobody who is a low major wants to sign up for being relegated and then suddenly having to bust to, to, to North Dakota when the school's in Tennessee. So there's, there's a couple of leagues where that, where that could happen. For the really big ones, even though it's great for fans, I think it might be, you know, even be good for athletes, it's very hard to see how it's possible because of the, of the TV money involved. If you're, the, if you're in the Big Ten, if you're a crappy Big Ten team right now, if you're Indiana or Northwestern, why on earth would you ever agree to anything where you had the ch- you had a chance of not being able to be in that league anymore because you were bad at football? Because brother, you are bad at football, <laughs> and if you if you if we have this kind of system, at some point in the next decade you're playing in the MAC, and nobody wants to risk a system where they are losing forty five million dollars a year, especially because college sports have to budget multiple years in advance. That's a big reason why realignment hasn't caught on in the United States for any of our pro leagues either. Our owners demand cost certainty, which you lose here. But when the, when the financial difference is 750 grand, a million dollars between League A and League B, it becomes a different conversation. How ironic is it the Pac-12 might be the best, and probably is right now the best yeah. conference in America? It's, it, it's very college football, isn't it? Like For, for my money, I, I think it is. I think, I think top to bottom, there, there might only be one kind of bad team um, well, Stanford's pretty bad, um, and and we'll kind of see what Arizona State looks like after three or four weeks. But everybody else is is bowl caliber or better, and I think the biggest reason is the the sheer depth of really good college quarterbacks in this league. It stinks that so this is the last time it happens, and a lot of those games are going to be when America's gone to bed. But just look at the guys who are playing quarterback in that league and think like how many of them would be starting for a, an above average SEC or Big Ten team right now? DJ Ugalele could play at a at a ton of programs right now, the, 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 the kids at Arizona, the, 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 the kids at Cal would start for a lot of, of, of higher, higher level brand teams. Uh, and and, that, and that, that's what you need. It's, if you're going to go out 
and, 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 and you know, and, and be removed from the pages of college football history, you, you might as well go out on top. And it looks like that's what the league's doing this year. Yeah, uh, but Matt, isn't it the case though? The 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 albums are always better right before the band breaks up. <laughs> that, that usually is the case, isn't it? I mm-hmm. mean, like, uh, I, I hope this isn't, you know, that, I hope that you know the reasons for that are a little bit different than they are here. But that is uh, that is that is a good point. This is the last waltz um, for, for the for the Pac-12. I hope we enjoy it. I hope there's a little bit less cocaine than there was in the movie. <laughs> Matt, uh, obviously the meeting is going on on Capitol Hill uh, right now or, or earlier today. We talked a little bit about that at the start of the show. Just some of the comments yeah. that were made. Is this just more of like? just nothingness really or, or did you view today and some of these conversations as actually making some progress forward in regards to college athletics nil and, and all of that no no i, I honestly I, I think this sucks and i i have something about this coming out tomorrow morning for free on, on extra points i i won't believe any of these hearings are serious until they have witness lists that are reflective of what's actually going on this is another hearing you bring in two ad's who are going to tell you that the system's <laughs> broken you're going to bring in a an ex-athlete that had nothing to do with NIL. You know, Gino Toretto wasn't, wasn't involved in this system that was happening here. I mean, you have one athlete activist, nobody who's an agent, nobody who's a collective, nobody who's a brand doing any of these deals, and nobody who's a current athlete who's actually doing significant NIL activity, a.k.a. nobody who's actually in this world right now. Uh, I actually think that there are a couple of things that the federal government could do right right now that have nothing to do with NIL regulation, nothing to do with the employment questions that would actually really help college athletics, but they're not being discussed. And what the NCAA is hoping for is just not going to happen in this term. Guys, like it's mid-September. Congress is going to, might shut down in a week and everybody is going to stop even pretending to try to do any legislative work in like four weeks because they're going to be focused on the election. Um, if, if, if this was, this was going to happen, it would needed to have happened three months ago. And uh, there's just not a political constituency for it right now. Did you stay up and watch the end of Colorado and Colorado State? I did, and I regret it. <laughs> not because it wasn't a great football game, because it was. But I I used to be able to do this when I had newborns, and I was mm. going to be up till two thirty anyway. And I'm I've, I've lost my uh, my stamina for it. So you know, I, I two Red Bulls later. You know, I'm sleeping through church. I'm kind of messed up the whole, the, all of Sunday and everything and sleepwalking it. Like, I, I am, I do not have that dog in me. I am not built for this. You I need sh- to move out yeah. west if I'm going to do this on a week, on a weekly basis. You should have done what I did was fall asleep about five minutes into the third quarter and somehow wake up with the TV on at about the five minute mark of the fourth quarter. So at least you had a power nap. That's, that's the move. That is, I remember doing that actually a couple years ago. When I think it was Cal and Hawaii opened the season in Australia, and the game kicked off at like 11 o'clock Eastern. I'm like, well, I have to watch it. It's the first game of the season. And I slept through the second and third quarters. So I could just kind of tune in to see at the end. That's what people who are gigantic babies like me need to do. I have an 11.30 bedtime. It is hard for me to right. hustle through it. The The Red Sox-Dodgers played an 18-inning World Series game after we did a high school football game one night. And that's exactly what I did was I was on – like in my recliner, and just every time that Joe Buck would get loud, I'd be like, "Oh, yeah, what's the okay? Score? What's going on?" <laughs> and you're scared to look, like you're scared to look at the score. Matt, as always, great stuff, man. Appreciate your time. Every time we get you on, publisher at Extra Points, we appreciate him. He also has that link, that game where you can become an AD or try to be an AD. It makes you uh, makes you think. If you've ever thought that you could do that, like 
this guy who runs my school is a clown. Let me do that. Just go play this game for a second and see the random things that pop up and go, oh, okay, well, maybe I don't know what I know because it's, it's really well done. This has been a Rogue Media Network production.